many of you got less than three hours of sleep last night? And uh, amen, nothing like a road trip. And, uh, and so uh, uh, my job is to spend the next uh, few minutes waking you up for, uh, so you can, have, uh, you can be wide awake when Pastor Uribe uh, gets up to preach. Uh, but I, I really do want to minister to you. I'm going to preach out of Psalms 2 this morning, Psalms chapter 2. And uh, I was praying about uh, this, and I really felt God deal with me about preaching on a subject that it turned out uh, is a a real issue, and it's right at the forefront this morning. I want to preach a sermon called The Secret Sin. And I'm going to ask you to open your heart and let God help you uh, this morning because I've been preaching for a long, long time. I got saved as a teenager, served God in high school, at least my senior year of high school. I got saved at the end of my junior year. And, and so I have an absolute deep belief in destiny. When I look at young men, I want to tell you right now, I see tremendous potential beyond what you see. The ability, I look at young women, my wife uh, uh, got saved at 17, uh, and, uh, and, and I so we see tremendous promise that we're not just doing this because we have nothing better to do, but uh, you have no idea what will happen to a young man and young woman, a teenager who says, God, I'm going to give you my youth. And so I have a real burden, but I want to speak to, to issues. I believe preaching, you're not just preaching to people, you're preaching to spirits, and you're confronting something. We all know what's happened over the last three weeks. In the last three weeks, uh, three young men have taken uh, high-powered automatic, semi-automatic rifles and opened fire indiscriminately trying to kill people. It happened in a little town called Gilroy, California, uh, 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 over there in the Bay Area, a home of Jeff Garcia. Uh, this young man went to a festival there and opened fire uh, 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 fortunately, he was confronted very quickly, and, uh, but he, a number of people were killed. And then we all know that two Saturdays ago, just two weeks from today, um, uh, a young man drove from Dallas, Texas to El Paso to a Walmart that many of us have been to and opened fire at killing 22 people. Pastor Stevens, I was talking to him. I know lots of folks from El Paso, people here, and, uh, uh, you know, People, co-workers lost their parents. A horrible, horrible tragedy. And 13 hours later, another young man, the first young man was 19. The second young man was 21. The third young man in Dayton, Ohio, uh, shows up at a popular bar and restaurant street in the middle of the night, opens fires, killing his sister and uh, eight other people. Uh, He's 23 years old. And so something's going on. Newspapers are, and articles are being written. What, what's up with angry young men? What's going on here? The truth was these boys acted out at 19, 21, and 23, but let's be clear, it was going on in their mind when they were 15 and 16. These things were happening to them. So the profile, we all know the profile. Most likely they're on drugs. I can tell you the drugs they're on. They're on either on psychotropic drugs, psych drugs. A lot of times uh, what happens is when they're six years old and they're having trouble paying attention in school. Let me tell you something. Every boy I know has trouble paying attention in school when they're six years old. But they come along and say uh, to them, usually single mothers, uh, little Bobby's very smart, uh, but he needs a little help. uh, And uh, if you start taking this drug, um, uh, two things will happen. One is he will pay attention and two, we'll get more money from the government. They don't tell them that part. 
And, uh, they, and, and these kids uh, begin taking drugs, um, and, uh, and uh, sometimes they have emotional or anxiety issues, uh, and doctors throw drugs at them, um, and uh, they don't realize that they're toying with something called their conscience. The second thing that is happening today is today's marijuana is violent. This isn't your nana's marijuana. Back in the day, you'd smoke marijuana. I remember going to play basketball, and we'd smoke marijuana, and then we'd just end up lying around and not playing basketball. Today's marijuana is aggressive. It messes with your head. It's 27 times stronger than the stuff that people did back in the 70s. And there's a horrible mixture. Not only that, they feed on violent video games. Call of Duty, various other games that, that you spend hours upon hours killing people. And the best video games are the ones that are what? They're most realistic. That make you really feel like you're killing somebody. And, and so they're feeding on this. And then add to that uh, the family conflict, the, the disaffection. Many of them uh, are fighting and hate their parents. They're, they're alienated from their families and they have a lot of rejection and hurt. Uh, the other thing is they have a deep fascination with guns. That's why, I'm, you notice I'm looking at you guys mainly. They have a deep fascination with guns. I believe in the Second Amendment. I believe that you ought to be able to defend yourself. Uh, but I also believe, show me a, an 18-year-old kid who wants to have 10 guns. He's got a problem. There's something going on in him. It has nothing to do with the Second Amendment. It has everything to do with feeling insecure and not feeling like a man unless he's holding a weapon that can take somebody's life. This is going on inside of people, uh, but there's something else. And this is what I want to preach on this morning. I want to talk to you about the secret sin of rage. Rage. Something down deep inside that the Bible has something to talk about. I've been a pastor now for 36 years. We have been doing boot camp for 26 years. And I want to tell you, uh, when you're in boot camp and you're dealing with teenagers uh, and dealing with them just in my ministry, I want to tell you, some men, uh, you just have to scratch the surface and underneath is a volcano. They suppress it, they hide it, but deep underneath they're seething on the inside. And so I want to preach a sermon on this this morning. Psalms 2, verse 1. The Bible says, Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision, then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree the Lord has said to me, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for an inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. Father, I ask you to minister right now. God, I pray we break through every opposition. God, I come against weariness and sleepiness. I come against distractions. I ask that deep will call to deep. God, I pray for every man, every girl here that right now under the surface is seething in resentment and anger and rage. Set them free this morning in Jesus' name, amen. Now let's begin and talk about what is rage. What is rage this morning. And so the best thing way to start is to help you to understand that rage is not anger. And I have to make this clear today uh, so we don't get confused. Do you know that anger is a normal God-given emotion? God created you to get angry. We are made in God's image and guess what? God gets angry. 
In fact, uh, Psalms uh, 7 verse 11 says God is angry with the wicked every day. That God gets angry and he has a capacity uh, for anger. And we have that because we're made in his image. Now, I know some of you have never seen this verse in the Bible. And maybe in your mind, you're saying, well, wait a minute, Pastor Ruby. Doesn't the Bible say God so loved the world? Now you say God is angry with the world. How many know that you can be angry at somebody you love? If you don't believe me, just ask your parents. Amen. Every one of us have done this. You, you, you know, this is not that God doesn't love. I remember the story I read about a, a couple that had a big fight, a married couple. And the next morning, the wife had left. And when the husband went down to the kitchen, she had left a note on the refrigerator. Josh put that note up. This is what she said to him. Dear Bob, I hate you. Love your wife. Amen. And, and you know, this is the reality of life. And so the truth is that, yes, God loves people. He loves the world. Uh, but don't forget that God does get angry. And I might add, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. You don't want God mad at you. Amen. How many of you have ever, uh, 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 you know, you're a Christian, maybe it's at school or, or, or work or whatever, and you get mad and they say, you're a Christian, you're not supposed to get mad. Doesn't that tick you off right there? They say, you want me angry? Now you really got me angry right there. Because of this idea that, you know, Christians don't get angry. You know, that God made us to be angry. Ephesians 6 or 426 says, be angry and sin not. So the issue this morning is not that you get angry. It's really what you do with your anger. Which brings us to our word, rage. Rage in the Bible means to cross the line. It is the idea of the normal human emotion that you and I are going to get angry. It's a part of our makeup, but rage uh, is something altogether different. It means to go beyond uh, to line, to cross a boundary. It's emotion of anger on steroids. Uh, it's the picture of wa uh, water that is boiling over. It is the picture of a river uh, that is flooded and gone beyond its banks. And when we talk about anger, that is what we're enraged. We're talking about someone uh, who uh, the events of life that make them angry take them across the line um, and they cross boundaries. You know, there was an event that happened back uh, uh, in the world back when I was a teenager, and it was called Chernobyl. Some of you probably studied that in your history class or maybe wrote an article about it. And what it was was in the Ukraine back when it belonged to Russia and the Soviet Union, the Russians had an atomic energy plant there and they were uh, doing some tests on this energy plant uh, and uh, they were trying to, you know, uh, atomic energy, is, it's, it's a mystery, you know, I don't want to go all into it, but, but when they're trying to create an, a reaction that creates energy, but the danger is that reaction can get out of control. And so they have all these uh, uh, securities and ways that they keep that from happening. And they have to have water that keeps cooling it. And what happened is they were conducting a test. Uh, and when they conducted the test, somehow they made a mistake. And that nuclear reactor uh, began to trigger and began to get hotter and hotter. It got so hot that it began to melt everything around it. We're talking about uh, uh, temperatures uh, beyond our imagination, 3,000 degrees Fahrenheit. And it began to melt everything, all the security apparatus, everything, and finally it exploded. And it, when it did, it emitted a cloud of radiation in the air. Listen to me. That happened around 40 years ago. 
People are still dying because of that cloud. People are still getting cancer around the world. Uh, they followed it, uh, and it was because uh, of that, that explosion, because uh, it went beyond its boundaries. It went beyond all the normal controls, uh, and it triggered this mass destruction. They think around 15,000 people around the world uh, have died or are going to die because of that. And, and what it did, though, is it introduced a word that up until that point nobody had ever used. You know what the word was? It was called a meltdown. How many of you ever heard the term meltdown? We say my teacher had a meltdown today. We use terms like that, but it comes from that accident uh, because uh, something that was once controlled and protected uh, went beyond its boundaries. That's the picture of rage. Rage uh, is when things go beyond their normal boundaries uh, and they begin to uh, cause damage. The Bible tells us, for example, it says that when Nebuchadnezzar was uh, told about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and their unwillingness to bow down when the music played, the Bible says he was full of fury. And he became so mad that he ordered that the fiery furnace uh, be heated up seven times stronger. I mean, the brother lost his mind. He became crazy and it became so hot that even the guards, uh, when they took to throw them in, the Bible says they died. That's how hot it was. Uh, and that fiery furnace was really a picture of the heart of Nebuchadnezzar. That rage. Now this is something that's beyond any boundaries. And here's the truth about rage. Rage takes action. And that's what our nation is confronting right now. What we are looking at uh, are angry young men who are now acting out their violent fantasies. Put up this quote, Josh. It says, young men nurturing anger through first-person shooter games, violent pornography through racism, and a fascination with guns and violence is our greatest, most stubborn, pressing threat, more so than Islamic terrorism or Russian hacking or immigration or trade wars. As they're looking back on what has happened in the last few weeks, America's waking up and finding out you got a lot of young men with rage that are entertaining violent fantasies. They're thinking about these things, and this is in their mind. You know, the other day, a family in our church, a couple of Wednesday nights ago, were, were getting on the Loop 410, this loop as it goes south. They're getting on to come to church, and as they're approaching a red light, there's uh, uh, two vehicles, and one vehicle, you know, beats the other vehicle, <coughs> and the, the person that got cut off starts honking their horn, and the light turns green, everybody gets onto the freeway, and then the person who got cut off uh, comes alongside. So think, here's this family, uh, they're there, the wife, the husband, the kids, uh, they're driving to church, and right in front of them is this vehicle, and this other vehicle pulls alongside, and the guy empties out five bullets into this car. As they're driving down the road and this family's watching this, that's rage. That's, that's something's going on. That's why you got to be careful about honking at anybody nowadays. That we're living in this age. The Bible says in Galatians that one of the works of the flesh is outbursts of wrath or eruptions of anger. Anybody here know anybody with a bad temper? Don't point. But uh, people that they, they, they have outbursts of wrath. This is not just anger. We're talking about explosions. I, I remember as a kid, I didn't understand it, uh, but all growing up, some, uh, I, there were always uh, certain uh, guys in my class uh, that, I mean, they had hair-trigger tempers. 
I mean, they, they could go from zero to 60 in 10 seconds. They would, they would, uh, their anger would uh, 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 destroy them. You know, I was in Mexico City last Saturday. I think it was last Saturday. I flew home from Mexico City last Saturday morning. And as um, you're pulling out of Mexico City, don't tell them I said this, but it's, it's the most polluted place in the whole world. It's just, you know, when you're landing, it's like you're landing in a pile of dust. And when you leave, you come out of the dust and it's surrounded by beautiful mountains, snow-capped mountains and everything. But most of those mountains are volcanoes. And as we're leaving, you, you had this one mountain, but the thing is you could see the smoke coming out as it's just going out. It's, it's an active volcano. And it's there, and, and I don't know what's going to happen, but, but listen, that there, uh, if that thing goes off, I mean, it's going to cause damage. I want to tell you this morning even, if we could look in the spirit, if God would let us see, I would look around and there's the, you would see smoke coming out of some of you. you can, we don't see it. You smile, you, you're polite, you're nice, but the truth is you're smoldering on the inside. There's rage down there, and rage takes action. Something goes on inside of people, and uh, they began to act that out. Adam Lanza was 19 years old. Adam Lanza spent most of his time playing violent video games. Uh, he, has, uh, he had not seen his father in years. Adam Lanza uh, was being uh, treated with psychotro sub, uh, psychotropic drugs. Uh, he dropped out of high school at the age of 19. Uh, he came from a family worth millions. Uh, his mother, to make him happy, did two things. She, she let him take over the basement where he had huge uh, banks of computers and monitors so he could play his video games all day. And then uh, she you went out and got a gun license uh, so she could buy guns to give to him. And he would sit there. And uh, we know that one day uh, he got, got up, uh, came out of the basement, uh, and shot his mother in the head and killed her. And then he went to the uh, elementary school that he went to as a kid uh, and he killed 23 children and teachers, little kids. And you know why he did that? He did that because... He, they say that online, on video games, he killed over 80,000 people. Over 80,000 people. And that violent fantasy got a hold of him, and he wanted to know what it would feel like to do it to real people. And he wanted to rack up numbers because it's a game, and the more you kill, the more you are ahead. So he chose the elementary school because he thought shooting six-year-olds would be the fastest way to get numbers. Let me say it again. Rage acts out. I remember I shared this with our church a while back after the shootings there at Southern Springs. A, uh, uh, a pharmacist, now this is going back around the year 2000 or so, the pharmacist, there was a nice woman who would come to him and, and she'd get antidepressants and he would, you know, her, she had a prescription, he'd provide her these a new antidepressants and this woman was a very nice, polite woman. And then one day he found out that she had shot and killed her husband. And uh, he made this comment. I want you to put this quote up. This is what the pharmacist said. He said, the symptoms I see in patients who use and abuse serotogenic uh, drugs of any form could aptly be described as the, quote, Hitler syndrome. Overconfidence in one's own policies or decisions. No fear of uh, consequences, criminal behavior, death of people close to the abuser as the preferred method of solving problems in the abuser's life, coldness and lack of humanity. I feel that in 20 years. Now, remember, he, he, he wrote this in the year 2000, 19 years ago. 
He said, I feel that in 20 years or less, we'll be confronted with not one Hitler, but with thousands or millions. Numbers so great that we will be forced to interact with their distorted thinking on a daily basis. That man wrote that in the year 2000. And here we are, I'm standing up here and telling you in the last three weeks, uh, young men have indiscriminately taken high-powered rifles to, to total strangers. He said, I see in 20 years or we'll be forced to deal with this. Rage acts out. Let me move on very quickly. Where does rage come from? The scripture says in verse 1, why do the nations rage? That's the question. What's going on? What's the matter? What's going on, Pastor Ruby? Some of you are afraid to go back to school. In fact, there was a local gun shop in Texas that got in trouble because they're having a back-to-school sale. Because people are afraid. And so what's going on? Let me make this clear this morning. The problem is not guns. Amen. I, you know what? If I was in a group of guys over 40, I would have got a loud amen right there. The problem is not guns. The problem is guns in the hands of those who have rage. That's the real issue. There have been over 200 mass shootings in the last 20 years. So we have to, what's going on? Well, let me make a little history because I know they don't teach it in school anymore. And that is that guns have always been a part of America. America's always been armed. The reason they have a Second Amendment is because this has been a conviction of this country for, for uh, hundreds of years. There's always been guns. Do you know Pastor Mitchell, you may have heard him say it, when he was a teenager in Prescott, Arizona, and he'd go to Prescott High, him and his buddies were going to go hunting after school. And so he would take his gun to church, put it in his locker, Go through, and then at the end of the day, go get his gun out of his locker, walk through the hallway. And, and you know what? Nobody ever got shot in Prescott High. It didn't happen. It's not the guns have always been there. The question is what's going on in the people? What's happening on the inside? You're going to have all these people talk about, uh, uh, you know, getting rid of certain kinds of guns. And I agree. If you ask me, I see guys even here that 19, 20-year-olds that have ARs. And that's, I have no idea why they have it. They don't have it for protection. They have it for ego. So I agree with you there. I'm not going to argue that point. What I'm saying to you, though, is something else is happening here, and it's rage. And so I want to talk to you for a minute about rage. Rage is a spirit. The Bible this morning gives us a powerful imagery of rage. You know, Psalms 2 is called a messianic prophecy. And that sounds like a 50 cent word, but all it means is this prophecy is actually about Jesus. This prophecy was written a thousand years before Jesus walked the earth, but it is describing actually the crucifixion. And it's describing what's going on. Verse 2, the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. You know what it's referring to? It's referring to the day Jesus was crucified. And the Bible says that King Herod and Pilate, the governor, the Roman governor that was there, they hated each other. They couldn't stand each other. But on that day, the Bible says they became friends. Added to that, the, the Jewish rulers had aroused a mob, and that mob was useful in pressing the crucifixion of Jesus. And what the scripture is saying is that a spirit of rage was upon the people that day. See, one of the problems with the crucifixion and the way it's depicted in most movies is it's too mild. It doesn't really capture the image of what really happened that day. 
we see people, you know, and they're going through the motions there. But the truth is that there was a frenzy that day. It was a bloodlust. It was a riot. It was so intense that Peter, uh, who at one moment was willing to take up his sword uh, against Roman soldiers, uh, when he got in this atmosphere of rage, it freaked him out. And we know what he did. He denied the Lord uh, because if you've ever been in a riot, if you, I don't, what, what happens to us is we don't get it. We, we live in such a controlled society. The idea of socially uh, the water going over its banks and beyond boundaries, most of us have never been there before. You know, the French Revolution that happened uh, a long time ago, they, they call a part of the French Revolution the reign of terror. And what they're referring to is that it absolutely, the river of rage absolutely overflowed its banks. Um, and there, the, if you've ever seen a picture of Paris, France, uh, you'll probably see uh, either the Eiffel Tower or the Arc de Triomphe. It's a big, giant arch and road going through it. If you were to turn around... Uh, that wide road goes uh, to a place called the Louvre. It's the world's most famous museum. Uh, and in front of it is a huge courtyard. Uh, and that courtyard uh, in the French Revolution, a, a man by the name of Guillotine invented something. Guess what he invented? You get a dollar if you can tell me what he invented. He invented the guillotine. Uh, and it became famous uh, because the rage was so intense uh, that they set it up right there. It would be like setting up in front of uh, uh, the Lincoln Memorial. They set it up right there, and anybody they thought was uh, opposed to their revolution, uh, anybody that was accused, they brought them up. And in a few months, they killed 4,000 people, got their head cut off. Every single day, the crowds would come, thousands just to watch people get beheaded. See, people don't get that. Rwanda, 800,000 people were slaughtered in one year. 800,000, about half the size of San Antonio, in one year. When you get rage, this is spirit. Something happens to people. Let me give you a, a recipe for rage this morning. Where does it come from? Number one, it comes from powerlessness. You know, there are a lot of young men who deal with a deep, uh, with a deep sense of insecurity. There are many young men who feel that they're overlooked or they're bullied or abused. There are many young men that go to school, especially when you get into your adolescent years and you turn from a boy into a man, uh, and now you're going uh, and uh, you, you see and there's a jock and there's these big, strong, confident young men uh, and the girls seem to like them and they seem to be doing good and, and every young man shouts to them, am I, am I a man? Am I really a man? Am I going to man up? What, what kind of person am I? And, and uh, you take away, uh, you know, the, 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 perhaps a father and a father figure in their life. Sometimes, uh, you know, they're the son of a man who left the mother and then he was given his name. And now every time uh, the mother who hates the father looks at the son, she sees him and she acts out against him. And you have all these young men who are, 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 are insecure and they begin to feel trapped in a bad situation. Girls don't like them. They don't get affirmed Pretty soon society feels that way. Sometimes they're failing in school and they like to act like they don't care that they're failing. But the reality is they're, they're being ripped up on the inside. And they begin to feel chained and bound by life. They begin to feel like, you know what, uh, I don't have any control. I, don't have, I, I have to do what other people are doing. I have to go along to get along. Verse 33 says, uh, let us break their, uh, verse 3 rather says, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. This is the raging people. This is their mindset. I'm trapped. I'm tied up. 
You know what? I, I'm done with this. I'm going to fight back. You know what? I'm powerless, but one day you're going to see who has the power. You see these shooters and these guys, uh, a lot of them are, are geeks. A lot of them are, are, are antisocial. They don't have any relationships. Uh, they hate society. In their mind, you guys did this to me. You bullied me. You forgot about me. You rejected me. And I'm going to get back at you. Who has the power now, bro? I've got a gun in my hand. And this thing begins to work inside of them, and they, they feel this way. And they're saying, you know what? I'm going to fight back. You want a little observation, girls? You know what makes God, you know, I, I, you know, I know they're not going to tell you this at school, but boys and girls are different. Write that down. And, uh, and I'll tell you why. Because girls deal with this too, but y'all deal with it in a different way than guys. You know what a girl does when she feels rejected by society and overlooked and hurt and violated? She cuts herself. Girls are cutters. In other words, what, what they do is they process this by turning inward and hating on themselves. What's wrong with me? That's why a girl thinks. You're going to reject me. You don't like me. My father abandoned me. Uh, uh, I was violated. I was abused. Uh, you know what? What's wrong with me? And so that girl will withdraw and retreat, and she cuts herself. The guy doesn't cut herself. He cuts other people. He has the same dynamic in his life, but his thing is, I'm going to act out. I'm going to prove my manhood by, by making you all suffer. And it all comes from this sense that I'm all bound and chained and life has tied me up and, and I have no power. And so they react. Moving on, number two, rebellion. The Bible says this is done against the Lord and against his anointed. There's a, the, the problem is that what ha, we begin to blame God and we blame society. We're going to act out. It is a rejection of authority and order. We live in a social order. You're raised with rules and laws and expectations of how we live. When people follow those rules, life is better. When re, people follow those rules, everything is great. When we follow uh, rules, you know, like, I'm glad that when the light turns red, all the cars stop. It'd make life really hard if I didn't know that like if I was in Mexico or something like that. You know, where you don't uh, feel like, uh, you know, you have to have order. But you know what? When you get to this point, you say, forget the order. Forget the rules. I don't care what God thinks. I don't care what my parents say. I don't care what the pastor says or anybody else. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. You know where this comes from? For young men, a lot of times, they hate their fathers. They hate their fathers. And because of that, you have, before you run up to me and tell me what a terrible father you have, hate doesn't hurt them. Hate hurts you. And they hate their father. And uh, we get our view of God from our father. That became so real to me when I had my kids that uh, they're going to think about God the way they think about me. And they're going to think about me the way they think about God. And I want to tell you, you get a young man especially, you know, I'll tell you something in a second, girls. But I'll tell you something. You hate your father. What, you know what you mean? I'm a rebel. I'm breaking all the rules. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to follow anything. I'm, I'm going to do what I want. And, it's, and, and there's a rebellion that's there. We're going to go against a, a, a order and structure. And it goes all the way up to God against God and his anointed. This is what they were thinking that day. They were dressed up in religion and doing everything else. But the reality was they knew very well they were shaking their fist at God. So a little side note for the girls here, keep you, keep you awake. When you hate your father, you become tempted to become promiscuous. 
That's what happens to girls. Girls act out their anger towards their father by saying, you know what I'm going to do? I'm not going to save myself. Let me move on. Number three, preparation. Here's another interesting. The Bible says in verse one, the people blot a vain thing. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together. Now look at this. Don't, don't, don't put that down yet. Look at the verse. Look at the words there. Plot. Counsel. In other words, this wasn't some last minute. You know, you ever hear the story, you know, the guy got fired from his job and he went home and got his gun and went back to the workplace and shot people. This is not that. Do you know that most of these active shooters have been planning this for a long time? You know, these are not people who lost their temper in the acts of uh, passion. These are people who have actually thought about it, made, plotted. They did different things to, to plan and prepare. And then they carried out what they were going to do. When you, when you talk about rage, listen, rage doesn't mean that you're not thinking. Rage means that this is what you're thinking about. It means that you think about it. I wonder how many people here have violent fantasies. You know, normally we think about these things in the context of sex, but I wonder how many people here have violent fantasies. You know, they tell us that these first two shooters are, are the kid in El Paso and the one in Dayton they already have gone. I've been able to say they knew what websites he was going to. He was going to places where men go, where you share your fantasies about mass killing. Where you sit there and you, you share it. You talk about it. You think about it. They create scenarios. Somebody that's pretty knowledgeable of the video game industry says that there are video games where you play the active shooter. That's your role. Your role, yeah, yeah, I said, listen, there are good old Christian boys who go on video games and they take on the role of the active shooter. Plotting, taking counsel, sitting there changing, changing things. Somebody comes along and shines a light, oh, this is freedom of speech, this is fantasy, it's not hurting anybody yet. And this is going on. And so this stuff's all happening inside of them. Jesus' crucifixion was a well-coordinated effort. You know, last week we had an active shooter uh, 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 seminar here for a few people in our church, and the SWAT member who gave the active shooting, you know what he said to us, uh, and, and I'll just ask it to you. How many of you remember or heard about Columbine? None of you were born then. How many of you heard that? They have been familiar. You probably have seen things at school, right? The question he asked us is, how many bombs did those guys make? Anybody know how many bombs? Not you, because you're probably the one guy that's going to know the answer. But uh, uh, I, I, you know what? Uh, I, I'm going to just continue on here because someone asked. Because they had bombs. And I remember when it was going on, they were told us, but you didn't hear much about the bombs. He said, how many, how many bombs did, the, uh, did these guys have? And one of the people in the meeting said seven. And he goes, no, they didn't have seven. They had 99. They had 99 IEDs, improvised explosive devices, these, these devices, you know, guess where they learned how to make bombs? The internet. They went online and they learned how to make bombs and they made 99 bombs. He said they were actually well constructed, except they had to use tin foil as part of the construction. And fortunately, 
they didn't do it right. They take, took these bombs and they set them in the high school. They hid them in the high school. And the plan was they were going to set the bombs off. And then the, the school drill was if there was a fire or something, then everybody would go to the football stadium. And so they, what they did is they positioned their automatic weapons and made the football field their field of fire. So they, their plan was to blow up the school and whoever didn't die. They said that, that if the bombs had gone off in the middle of school, it would probably killed around 600 students. Everybody else would have ran to the football field and they had set their guns up so that they would be able just to spray the field. These boys were trying to kill a thousand people. They had plotted and planned months after months. Calculation were everything. Rage. Rage isn't just, I just went berserk. No, no, no. Rage is there's something going on down deep inside you. Let me close here very quickly, and we gotta, I got to finish here. Let me, let me introduce God's plan to you, and I want you to listen to this, especially if you're a young man, because this is a message to young men. Anger and frustration is because the world is lying to you. If you understand that rage here in this story is all about Herod and Pilate and uh, the priest uh, and the mob, uh, they were wrong. I hope you agree with me, they were wrong. The idea that they were going to kill Jesus and end the voice of God in the earth, they were wrong. That's why the scripture says the Lord's going to laugh at them because uh, their rage was for naught. Their rage was the wrong road. Their rage uh, did not do anything. And it's true. Uh, the world will lie to you. It'll try to tap rage inside of you and rip you off. You listen, I got good news for you this morning. There's an alternative. And that alternative is to come and say, God, uh, I'm going to bring to you all of my rejection, all of my bitterness, all of my resentment. You know, the prodigal son could have become an active shooter, but he made a decision. And that decision is I'm going to come home to my father. I'm going to come home and I'm going to let God help me. It is a lie if anything you want to learn. And that is the idea that we're going to fight against God. It is a lie. You will lose. But there's even more here, and I need to say this very quickly, and that is that you can do something with your rage. God can turn your rage into zeal. There's another kind of fire this morning, and it's zeal. There's a fire that can come on a young man that doesn't cause him to go into a Walmart and shoot 60 and 70-year-old people. There's a zeal that can cause a young man to walk into a Walmart and lift his voice uh, and say, I want to tell you that Jesus Christ loves you and can change your life. The problem today is that we got young men with the wrong kind of fire. We have young men today uh, that their fire is being fueled by all their self-pity and their rejection and their anger. And they sit there and talk about how everybody uh, has hurt them and violated them. Uh, amen. I'm telling you uh, that Jesus Christ can put a zeal inside of you uh, where you take your eyes off yourself uh, and you put them on a living God who loved you enough to die on a cross and shed his blood. Reject you? Are you kidding me? Jesus Christ died in your place. He shed his blood um, and fire uh, can get a, a, a hold of you. He can help you. I got to give you my testimony. I was 16 when I got saved. I wasn't raised in a Christian church. My parents didn't go to church. I didn't ever go to church. Uh, amen. And there was a time in my life before I was a Christian where I cared about everybody thought about me. I was socially aware. I'd go to school and I was self-conscious and wondered about what people thought about me. I so thank God there was an Instagram back then because before I was saved, I would have been on Instagram. I, you know, and cared. That's what, you know, that's what it is. Post your picture, post your stupid little quote, and just, and then see who says something nice. It's amazing. 
I want to tell you something this morning. When I got saved, I got delivered. I didn't care anymore. The Friday before I got saved, I got saved on a Good Friday. That previous Wednesday, two days earlier, I sat in my principal's office at Tucson High, and they were going to kick me out of school because they said I was inciting a riot. And uh, I was full of anger and bitterness. I had gotten dragged out of a class by uh, this supervisor in a fight and, you know, hauled over there. The guy was like 6'3". I wasn't. And uh, he dragged me all the way. And, you know, I'm like, let me at a man. Let me at a man. You know. And, uh, but, but I want to tell you, two days later, I got radically converted, um, amen, and all the hate and anger and rage and all that had radically changed in my life. Um, amen. I was totally set free. I didn't care. I'm telling you, you don't have to keep the rage. You don't have to keep the anger inside you. Young lady, you don't have to say, oh, I just, got, I just have to go and get alone and write my f- fantasies of suicide and, and uh, go. and. Yes, I'm telling you, you don't have to keep the rage inside of you. Why do the heathen rage? All because they don't understand the power of the cross. Because they don't understand what Jesus can do in a person's life. The power of God that can set you free. I'm not minimizing your hurts or violations or rejection or being bullied. I'm just telling you there's an answer in the one that chose to die on the cross and give you the greatest expression of love. And he can turn the fire that's smoldering underneath the surface and he can turn it into zeal this morning. Amen. We're very glad to have with us uh, uh, Pastor Juan Uribe from the Northwest Side. Let's, give it, let's welcome him. Let's welcome him. 